Welcome to another podcast from Generations Church. We trust you will be encouraged today. Um, we are in a new series today, and that series is called Behold Him. And, uh, you know, so from time to time, I like to draw attention to the particular graphic because these graphics are actually made in-house. And our own Danita Hickson made this one. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's good. I was like, yeah, that's kind of that's cool. I like, I like what it's doing. You can kind of see the Christmas theme happening. And, of course, with a title like Behold Him, we know that we're talking a little bit about Christmas because uh, that is a word we hear a lot around the stories and the scriptures of Christmas. And uh, the title of today's message is Never Stop Stopping. Now, that is in no way a reference or a parallel to a certain movie that has that in its title because I can neither confirm or deny whether I've ever watched said movie, if I can even know what it possibly would be. And for those of you who do know, you know. Um, But as we kick off the season, I'm really grateful that we've had another year. Uh, For sure, we always are. We didn't have to have another year, but we got one. I'm grateful that, uh, and I'm choosing to be grateful for lots of these things, that things slowed down. Um, I I think it's been a, a good a good thing for many people. I'm laughing right now at our teenagers especially who are, after having, you know, a COVID year of kind of no school and things were definitely, you know, no sports, everything slowed down for them. Now they're kind of ramping back up to the speed uh, that things almost were before. And they're not doing so well, some of them. They look a little tired. They look a little disheveled, a little run down. They seem to be uh, catching a cold a little easier. You know, they're just generally falling apart, which is pretty normal for teenagers. Uh, But uh, the reminder has to be, we don't have to speed back up to what it used to be. And uh, stopping is a necessity for us in life. Rest is a principle and a command that our our Heavenly Father gave to us uh, for our benefit. As Jesus pointed out, the Sabbath is made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And so this idea of stopping, resting, all is going to come together in our ability to perceive what it is that God is doing in this time of our lives and what he has done in the seasons past. Um, The busy lives we all lead have been a concern to us as a church for a long time. We, when we planted generations, and you've heard me say this before, but I'll never stop saying it, um, we recognize the busyness in the weekly programming so many organizations, not just churches, run, and they, they, they can run people to death. Uh, we're not always good at saying no, we're putting the brakes on. And we, we warn about those things because especially concerning some of the holy celebrations of our year uh, in our society, specifically Christmas and Easter is another one, of course. Um, we, we don't want to lose sight of the meanings of these seasons, of these holy days. And the moments that the celebrations we have, what they're intended to create, And so much of the world has lost sight of that, but we want to bring you back and invite you to come back to a place to to cherish the real treasure. And I feel like even though in so many families, especially in our church, uh, we are doing a great job, I I really mean that, we're doing a great job of pausing and appreciating the moment and appreciating the season and celebrating uh, the, the birth of Jesus in an honorable way, I think that it's sad that the world still misses the point. But this is actually why Jesus came. The whole, the whole reason comes down. I want to just share with you John chapter 1, verse 14. And uh, John chapter 1 is probably my favorite chapter of the whole Bible. 
just because of the, the, the tremendous doctrine it has in it, but I just love the way it connects with my soul. And, <laughs> and it's no accident because John chapter 1 really does reveal how God connected with us. But this is what it says in John 1.14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. Glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. So, this is the season to behold Him. We're going to talk about it for the next few weeks. And the invitation is for you to come and behold the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who is over all creation, the King of angels, the King of everything. The book of Hebrews talks about the kingship of Jesus. Now, before we go any farther, because if you read your Bible, you're not going to read a lot of beholds anymore. They stopped about 1995 was, I think, the last time that the NASB really used the word behold a lot. They just started switching to look with an exclamation point, which is still totally fine. It, it does kind of make sense. But just for uh, the sake of our intellect this morning, we're going to look at the word behold and the definition of it and... Uh, just to spend a moment together here to, to contemplate and understand the word. So behold means to perceive through sight or apprehension, to gaze upon or to observe. And now to see something is one thing, but to actually apprehend it by apprehension, to gather it up, to hold it. If you want to look at it this way, to grab something, to hold it and study it, to look at it. That's to apprehend or to comprehend would be another word. Now here's the synonyms that go with it. Uh, appreciate, apprehend, assimilate, catch, catch on, cognize, compass, comprehend, conceive, cotton to or cotton on to, which is an old word um, that lots of people think comes from like the southern U.S. I don't particularly cotton to that. You heard that before in an old western maybe? Well, it actually goes back into older English, but it literally has to do with the fiber of cotton and how it catches and how it weaves and works together with other fabrics, even in other, other uh, strands of fibers. Uh, so cotton to, or cotton onto, decipher, decode, dig, discern, get, grasp, grok. There was a good word. Um, I had to look that one up because I thought it was something from a science fiction movie. Uh, into it, know, make out, perceive, recognize, register, savvy, seize, sense. Uh, tumble to twig. To twig onto something is to gain rapid understanding of it uh, and understand. Now, here's what I find helpful to me. Lots of times when I am looking up a word because I want to understand it, I will always look up the definition of the word, but my favorite thing to do is look at the antonyms and the synonyms of the word as well. And I really particularly love this word because the antonym kind of just explains everything altogether. And the antonym is the opposite of what the word means, okay? So the opposite or the antonym of behold is to miss. Doesn't that just simplify everything for you? It simplified everything for me when I saw it. Oh, okay, so to behold something is to not miss it. And every time you read the word behold in all of Scripture, from Genesis to the book of Revelation, and it is in there a lot of times, it's something that God often says when he's about to do something. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Okay? Behold. I have tidings of great joy for all people. And it just means don't miss what I'm about to tell you. Don't miss what I'm about to do. Don't miss what I'm about to say. Don't miss the truth I'm about to speak. It, God uses this because he wants to draw attention to it. But it means so much more than look with an exclamation point. Now, I don't know uh, if that really worked for you or not, but I hope it did because we got to continue on from this. This is a season to behold Jesus. 
It's a season to behold Him for so many things that He is. Not just who He is, but, but all, of, all of the virtues that are encompassed in His nature. His glory, His goodness, His grace, His kindness, His peace. And I could continue going on, but His virtues are endless, and therefore the list would become endless. And like the moment where we stand and look across some magnificent landscape, where we try to take in all that we can see, as it takes our breath away, we are overcome by the vastness, by the beauty, by the detail of what we're looking at. All of the things that are a part of not missing what's right in front of us. So how does one go about beholding? Well, if I can simplify the word behold by the antonym miss, let me give you the simple how-to. How do you behold something? Step one, stop. Just stop. I have to do something still, right? Well, not necessarily. Until you've stopped. Don't do anything. And if you've ever driven through the mountains, if you've driven through the mountains, just raise your hand. Hopefully most of you have. And specifically, not had a screen in front of your face the entire time. Yes, that's you children who like to be on screens all the time. You will have noticed driving through the mountains some very large rocks. Right? Huge rocks. They're called mountains. They're really tall. Like twice as tall as Carlisle. No, twice as tall as Big Stephen. Ooh. Actually, they're a lot taller than that. There's these giant rocks that have come up out of the ground. Well, we call those mountains. But if you slow down, you have the opportunity to appreciate them a little more, don't you? But what happens if because you have annoying, boring, boring parents who are trying to make a holiday, trying to make a break, a rest out of life by taking a trip, pull into one of the roadside stops in the mountains. We call these lookouts, typically. And there's some great ones and some not so great ones. But as you're driving, you'll find these places where you can stop. And what's the point of stopping when you're on the journey? Well, it's so that you can have a look at what the stopping point is pointing to. Which, when you're driving through the mountains, especially the Canadian Rockies, is going to be something that is absolutely mind-blowingly beautiful. Now, traveling those routes, if you've ever done this, you've taken the opportunity, even to pull over and stop at a waterfall or to, or to stop. I mean, a gas station's not the best stop you can make, honestly, driving through the mountains. You know, because, you know, it's just the stalls and the, there's, there's not much there. The Slurpee machine. Right? But when we stop at these roadside turnouts, these viewpoints, these stopping points, and we take a minute to behold the spectacular view of creation, what begins to happen? Well, the handiwork of God is revealed in moments and in eons all at once. And you might need to close your eyes and recall right now this morning a moment where you've stopped and paused in creation and just taken a look at the grandeur of what you can see on a landscape. That handiwork created from the intellect and the imagination of the eternal. Displayed in palettes of color and shape and shade that actually change day by day throughout every season. 
not even day by day, but in the hours, in the minutes of a day, different colors come to a place of prominence as others fade away. It's one of the most spectacular things you can encounter. And you know what amazes me is as we're gasping and taken back by the beauty of a rest stop like that, that we are really only grasping for a few moments something that is forever changing but forever beautiful. Now if you just pause with me on this this morning, if you stop and behold, even by a memory, how impossible is it that that landscape is what it is. And we're only talking about the landscape at this point. We're not looking a little further. We're not picking up the binoculars, as it were, and looking for the wildlife, seen and unseen, that is affecting and moving in and apart of those landscapes. We're not considering the forces that it took to lift and push mountains up out of the ground. We're not considering the volume and the depth of the lake we watch. We haven't even begun to consider the force of the wind moving and changing as it blows across this amazing, mind-blowing reality that's in front of us. You can stop there for a few minutes or you can stop there for a few hours, but the point, but the point is that if you don't stop, if you don't take the moment to behold You've missed it. If you want to behold something, if you want to behold someone, you have to stop. You have to take time to perceive with more than your eyes what unfolds before you. Nobody picks up a new baby and says, oh, a generic baby, good for you, mom and dad, and hands the child off. Did you see Gil and Candace's baby? Oh my gosh. That is, a, that is a little beautiful little child. I mean, you all were nice kids. You all are special and wonderful and beautiful, no doubt. But isn't it amazing when we behold, not just generically look at, and guys, here's the problem. The world tells you to just let this season be generic, to let this season be a thing that comes and goes every year, to let it be a thing that can be taken for granted, to let it be a thing that is just a thing. This isn't a time to move rapidly. This isn't a time to let it pass by. Because the day will come when you blink once more and realize you've missed the whole year. That's the nature of our life. And the older people get, the more they realize it. And the more they wish they could be young. But the contradiction is that the younger we feel, the more rushed we become. And once again, rather than behold, we miss. So I want you to stop this morning with me. Ponder, apprehend, comprehend. Think about. To not miss... This passage in Matthew 1, Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. It says this, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, 
Before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, don't miss it, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all of this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. And what did God say through the prophet? Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. And he took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. <clears throat> Behold this unbelievable and impossible story. Rather, never stop stopping to consider and appreciate this claim the Bible makes. In this day and age, we get very uncomfortable with the whole idea of the virgin birth. I'll just speak for you because none of us really like to admit it. But like, how do you explain that to your atheist friend over coffee? Yeah, I know, and some of you have been there and tried. Um, let me just jump to this part for you to put you out of your misery. Guys, we believe that God created man from the dust of the earth. A virgin birth is nothing for him. He can do that. He can pull a rib from a man while he sleeps and form a woman. He can do a virgin birth. If he can have Jonah at an appointed time thrown over the edge of a boat to stop a storm to save people's lives, only to have a whale come and swallow him and then spit him out three days later on dry ground, if he can do that, Trust me, he can pull off a virgin birth. Say, well, yeah, the Jonah thing wasn't literal. Well, Jesus believed it was literal. Yeah. As Jonah was in the belly of a whale for three days, so will the Son of Man, Jesus speaking about himself, be in the tomb for three days. So, as believers... Beholding this should really not be a problem. But I want us to appreciate it this morning. Never stop stopping to consider the miraculous nature of what God has done. There's so much doctrine, um, literally doctrine, but also doctrine by implication in this one passage. It's a, it's a historical footnote, if you will, in the timeline of Jesus. It is. I mean, I, I know I'm saying it's a doctrinal, it's a big thing, and I'm going to make a big deal out of it, but understand that these, what, what, are, what are we, five, uh, eight verses. These eight verses are a historical footnote. Now, the birth of Jesus was as followed, blah, 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 blah. But what happens in this passage of Scripture that is miraculous? Well, there's honestly thousands of miracles that had to take place for this to unfold just the way it did. 
And I mean, the obvious ones are, well, virgin birth, we've already covered that, but angels showing up in dreams and saying accurate things. What about the fact that it was prophesied hundreds of years before what would need to come to pass for it to happen? All of these things. All of these things are miraculous and wonderful and amazing. And if you don't stop to appreciate it, you never will. You have to spend some time in this if you really want to comprehend it. It's a big deal that Jesus was born of a virgin. Theologically, it's a big deal. It actually matters that Jesus, conceived of the Holy Spirit, was born of a virgin. It's very important. And I think it's amazing and miraculous to consider that a virgin should be pregnant. I think it's miraculous and foretold that she would bear a son. I mean, really, in fairness, it's a 50-50 chance. They could have guessed that one, I suppose. I mean, not today, maybe, but back then. Behold, his name will be Emmanuel, God with us. You know, other religions and false deities have made that claim over the years, thousands of years. They made the claim that deities walked among us. But it's interesting because they were always coming from the point of a human conception. In the pantheon of pagan gods, in Roman, Norse culture, all the cultures of the world, it's really the same gods with different names, different cultural aspects to them. But the stories are the same. Forgive the crudeness if your children are still in here, but that the deity came down and had sex with a mortal. Do you know that the Bible is the only account of something like that happening where there was no sex act involved? Now, some of you are really scratching your head now. Whoa. It's, it's the truth. There's no claim. The only claim that's made is that the whole time Mary was a virgin. That's impossible. Again, I'd refer you to the comments I made just moments ago that we also believe that God made man from the dust of the earth. And if we read the book of Job, we read that God actually breathed out the stars. I'm not trying to be a literalist about it. I'm just saying. If you have faith for one from God, you most certainly have faith for the other. It's not that big of a deal. Behold that God is with us. That the eternal God is with us. Behold in this moment the obedience of both Joseph and Mary. Just consider that. I mean, the, the, the riskiest thing you've incurred is, in the last week is honestly, if we're just, just likely, is that they undercharged you for something at the grocery store and the Holy Spirit's like, <clears throat> I want you to let them know. Okay, well, I was obedient. I did it. Or maybe you weren't. <laughs> right? But that's, like, honestly, obedience. Just consider what Mary and Joseph were obedient to. Consider what Mary, likely maybe a 14-year-old girl, was obedient to. 
Behold the name Jesus, Yeshua. Yahweh is salvation. And behold this fact. You're going to call him Jesus because he's going to save his people from their sin. Stop. And consider it. Apprehend it. Examine it. Be guided into it. Pray through it. All of it had to come come to pass to fulfill even just one prophecy. But I don't know if you realize this, that in Jesus' coming, he fulfilled thousands of prophecies. Thousands. Behold. (laughs) Don't miss it. And that's only the beginning. There is so much to behold. There's so much to understand. There's so much to comprehend. There's so much to see. There's so much to seek. There's so much to be awed by. There's so much wonder in this season if you'll just give yourself the time to pull off the road, get out and stretch your legs in the glory of the season. A note before we close on the glory of God. The worship can come back. I want to read to you from Hebrews chapter 1. I don't have this to put up. This is what it says in the book of Hebrews. Chapter 1 in the message translation. Going through a long line of prophets, God has been addressing our ancestors in different ways for centuries. Recently, he spoke to us directly through his son, by his son. God created the world in the beginning, and it will all belong to the son at the end. The son perfectly mirrors God and is stamped with God's nature. He holds everything together by what he says. Powerful words. After he finished the sacrifice for sins, the son took his honored place high in the heavens right alongside God. Far higher than any angel in rank or rule. Did God ever say to an angel, you're my son, today I celebrate you? Or I'm his father, he's my son. When he presents his honored son to the world, he says all angels must worship him. Regarding angels, he says, the messengers are winds and the servants are tongues of fire. But he says to the Son, your God, and on the throne for good. Your rule makes everything right. You love it when things are right. You hate it when things are wrong. That is why you're God. And that's why your God poured out fragrant oil on your head, making you out as a king far above your dear companions. And again to the sun, you master started it all, laid the earth's foundations, then crafted the stars in the sky. Earth and sky will wear out, but not you. They become threadbare like an old coat. You'll fold them up like a worn out cloak and lay them away on the shelf, but you'll stay the same year after year. You'll never fade or wear out. And did he ever say anything like that to an angel? 
Sit alongside me here on my throne until I make your enemies a stool for your feet. Isn't it obvious that all angels are sent to help out those lined up to receive salvation? And we beheld his glory. The only begotten of the Father. That's, those words are so stuck in my thinking and my memory from Hebrews chapter 1. And I learned it, I think, in the New King James when I was a kid. We've held his glory, the only begotten of the Father. To behold means not to miss. To behold means to comprehend, to lay hold of, to grasp, to wrestle with, to pin down, to understand, to cotton to, to twig. And you know, I just want to challenge you, church, whether you're sitting here this morning, you're watching online because you weren't feeling well today. Either way, we're glad you're with us. But this is the season not to miss it. And it doesn't have to be the same as it was all throughout the year. This can be the season where you slow down, where you rest in the presence of God, and you actually try to take in His glory. We're going to sing one last song, just like we always do. And we always like to ask this question at Generations Church. We say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today through this message? You know, when we write messages for our church, we have an idea of where we're going because the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. But honestly, I have no idea where you're at, where you're coming to church today, what your situation is, what your struggle is, what your frustration is, what your joy is. I have no idea. Once in a while, I might have a glimpse or a glimmer. But we do it week after week, believing that the presence of God will show up, believing that he's going to meet us here just like he says he will. And we share what he's put on our heart to share. And you hear it, or you hear it. And my challenge to you this morning is to hear it. Not in the philosophical check-the-box sense. Yeah, I went to church and I listened. But I mean, Holy Spirit, did I miss anything you're trying to say to me today? Kind of a hearing. So can we just take a moment right now and stand together? I'm going to pray for you, but only after we take a few moments to say, Holy Spirit, is there anything you want to say to me this morning? Is there anything in my heart you want to put your finger on today, God? Is there any worthless affection in my life that is getting in the way of what you want to speak to me, how you want to communicate to me. All of these questions will actually be prompted to you as you open your heart to what the Holy Spirit wants to do. And so let's just take 20 seconds right now. You can bow your head or you can look straight up or straight ahead or behind you. It doesn't matter to me what you do. But ask the question. Holy Spirit, what do you want to say to me this morning?
So Holy Spirit, as we have asked the question of you today, Lord, I now pray that you will open each ear in this place to hear your voice. God, that you, as we stop for a moment in your presence, Lord, I ask that you would miraculously and clearly speak into every heart. That you would build our faith this morning, Lord, to hear from you. Father, we ask this in the name of Jesus. Thank you for joining us in another podcast from Generations Church. If you enjoyed listening today, please subscribe to our podcast channel to get a new one each week. For additional information or to partner with us, please check out our website at www.genchurch.ca.